When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a live edition here of Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson, and we are coming to you following Commissioner Rob Manford. The commissioner of Major League Baseball has made an announcement for the first time since 1994-95. There will be regular season games that will be missed during the course of a season. We have a work stoppage in Major League Baseball, and I want to address it from the beginning. From A to Z, what happened? How did we get to this day? To understand this day, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of this last collective bargaining agreement. In 2016, I was still with the Marlins. We signed a deal with Tony Clark as the main negotiator for the Players Union. During the course of that negotiation, it became very clear to us from the management side that the players were very interested in things that involved their comfort they wanted chefs in the kitchen. They wanted earlier game times. They wanted easier travel. They wanted things that we felt were very easy to give. And in order to give them, we got things in return that were far more meaningful as they related to, for example, the competitive balance tax. The CBT is something that you have heard about for the last five years. It's something you heard about a lot today. I want to tell you what it practically is, so I'm going to take a quick live detour. The CBT is the only way for teams who aren't named the Rays, who have very low payrolls because their revenue is low, because their TV markets are smaller, detour, there's no shared local broadcast revenue in Major League Baseball. It's not like the National Football League where the Green Bay Packers get the same TV money as the New York Giants. In baseball, the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or the Los Angeles Dodgers get hundreds of millions of dollars more per year than teams like the Pirates or the Guardians or the Marlins or the Rays. And that money is not shared. Therefore, those teams have the ability to have higher payrolls. You would say to me, why is that a problem? You could be the Rays. You just have to be smarter. And I would say, having run a small revenue team for 18 years, the biggest difference between small revenue teams and large revenue teams is mistakes. We can't make any mistakes. We can't cover up those mistakes. If we sign a player to a bad contract, and that player doesn't perform, or that player gets hurt, or we just did a bad job scouting, we can't just jettison that player, release that player, and then all of a sudden sign a new player. When you have extra revenue streams and a higher payroll capacity, you have the ability to cover up your mistakes. 
That is the most important quality that a baseball team can have in order to increase its competitive advantage. Are there examples when small revenue teams win? Of course there are. But what we're talking about is the feeling that we have when we're putting a team together. During the offseason, we look at our player payer, player payroll budget. We're live, Coca. Our player payroll budget. And if it's 75 million, we sign players up to the 75 million. If we're competing against a team that's 200 million, they get to sign players up to 200 million. But there's no salary cap, which means that a team could go to 250 million or 270 million or 300 million. What does that mean? That means that they can get an incremental one, two, or three high paid players or seven or eight middle-class players. All of that leads to a better probability of success because you're not going to get 100% success rate in your signings. Therefore, you want to be able to sign as many players as you can to have as many replacements, to have as much depth as possible. Think about the Dodgers, the juggernaut that's been the Dodgers these past few years. It's because of their depth. So CBT is a limit. It really is like a salary cap, but don't tell the players that. It's a limit where teams don't want to go above because then they have to pay penalties that are not just financial, but they lose draft picks. Why would a large revenue team want draft picks when they can just sign free agents? Because we've learned through analytics that to have a winning team, you need a combination of youth and experience. You need a combination of players who are being paid less than their value in performance in order to counteract those players who are being paid more than their level of performance. So if you're the Dodgers, for example, and you have Walker Ferris Bueller, who's being paid a couple million dollars, or Julio Urias being paid a couple million dollars, and they are giving you the same performance as Clayton Kershaw, who's being paid $30 million, who's more valuable? For the Dodgers, they get to say it's equal. For a team like the Marlins, it's not equal at all. We can't have a $30 million player who's not going to be in the Cy Young race. So the thresholds that have been fought about this entire time and the players want those thresholds increased, the owners want those thresholds decreased. The reason the players want them increased is they feel that if the Dodgers and the Mets and the Cubs and the Red Sox and the Yankees can spend more money without paying penalties, they're going to do it. Yes, they are. And that's just the point. That's why you're having the fight. So while MLB was willing to raise the thresholds, they were not willing to raise them to the level that the players union wanted. So going back to the deal in 2016, the deal goes on for the next several years. The players know that they've been beaten. So Tony Clark, a former player, along with the other active members of the union, hires someone named Bruce Meyer. Bruce Meyer is someone you've never heard of. Now you have, and that's just what he wanted. Bruce Meyer is someone who is a professional labor negotiator. He came in to be hired by the players in order to get back all that they feel the owners had gained in the previous agreements. No problem, the owners said. We will negotiate with Bruce Meyer and we will find a way to get to a deal. 
Then something happened in March of 2020, COVID-19. I have heard so much about team valuations, about team profitability, about losses or profits on an annual basis. All 30 teams lost money in 2020. It is indisputable. Does that mean that their teams are not up in value? Does it mean that teams aren't worth billions of dollars? Of course, it doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that the owners who are wealthy on paper by owning a team have to come up with a way to pay for those losses, pay for the decreases in revenue that happened in 2020. That money comes from somewhere. What players have failed to realize is that money comes from three places. Either teams take on more debt, owners take on more debt, or owners cut expenses. And the best way to cut expenses is to lower payroll. The irony of this entire fight between the owners and the players is that whatever gains the players feel they get, the owners will look at their own P&L because they run it like a business, because it is just business, and they will take it out of players' salaries. They won't sign the seven or $8 million sixth or seventh starter. They won't sign a $5 million bench player or a two-way player. As an example, and I don't mean to single him out, Coca, someone like Kike Hernandez, who got a he's, a, he's a good player. He can play multiple positions, clutch in the postseason, good in the clubhouse, all sorts of talents. He's the type of player who gets hurt the most when owners are trying to lower payrolls and cut expenses because he's not a superstar and he's not a minimum player. So at the end, whatever gains players perceive they're going to get, at the end of the day, management and owners find a way to get that money back. The second misconception, this is not just baseball where this happens. Do you think when flight attendants or pilots, their unions get more money, that it does not impact the amount of money you pay for a plane ticket? Do you think when there are union workers in Amazon, as an example, that the price for delivery and the other service charges do not get increased? Of course they do. Because at the end of the day, business owners are in it to make money. Owners have never hidden from that fact. But unfortunately, in baseball, we have to say that our number one concern is the fans. Rob Manford took the podium today in his press conference, announcing the cancellation of the first two series of the 2022 season, and said, above all, we are upset and concerned for the welfare of our fans. We are sorry to the fans. He meant it. We are sorry for the fans, but there's not one owner who will sign a bad collective bargaining deal because it will make the fans happy. I'm sorry to tell you that, but it's just the facts. So Bruce Mayer gets hired. Bruce Meyer gets hired. Negotiations start. COVID happens. And all of a sudden, there's no agreement. So on December 2nd, the owners locked out the players. That's been another source of crazy speculation because Rob Manford made a mistake when he locked out the players by saying, we did this to jumpstart the negotiations. And then there were no negotiations for 43 days. The reason why owners lock out players is so they control the narrative, not PR, the narrative and scope of the negotiation. 
That means when you lock out your players or your employees, that means you and the union you're in, you can't strike. So that is going on offense. And it would have been fine for Rob just to say it on December 2nd. We are locking out the players because we believe this gives us the most leverage and the best chance to get to a deal without missing games. Then Rob Manford said on December 2nd, it would be a disastrous outcome if games were missed, which is why we did this lockout today in order to make sure we have an agreement in time not to miss games. What he didn't tell you is that in order to not miss games, there had to be a meeting of the minds between owners and players as to how many games there needs to be in a season for there to be a representative season. Is it 162? Is it 140? Is it 60? In 2022, we had a 60-game season, and there was a World Series champion at the end of a full October, and it was the Los Angeles Dodgers, and there was no asterisk to be found. That season started at the end of July. But the owners didn't want to wait that long. They wanted to try to get to a deal as quickly as possible. So they said the deadline is February 28th, but the players did not believe it. And the reason the players did not believe it is they think that spring training does not need to be four weeks. When it went public that the deadline was February 28th, as a former president of a team, I was completely against that as a deadline because I thought it was too late. The reason why we need spring training, and believe me, teams do not make a lot of money during spring training. There's that narrative out there that is simply not accurate. It's not at a loss, but it is not enough to pay for a utility player. However, the reason why you have spring training is to get players in shape so that you can minimize the possibility of injuries during the course of the beginning of a season when you are playing in cold weather games. Hamstrings, eight weeks. Sore shoulders, six to eight weeks. Forearm tightness, eight to 12 weeks, turns into Tommy John. You've heard me talk about it on Nothing Personal. These injuries are incredibly costly to teams, like the Marlins, or the Pirates, or the Guardians, or the Reds, or maybe your favorite team, who when your player gets hurt, you say next man up, but that person may be a minor leaguer. It may be a journeyman. But if Dodgers and Yankees, someone gets hurt, they can go into the free agent market or they can go poach a player from another team because they can afford to pay to get a replacement player. But only if they don't go over the competitive balance tax, the luxury tax threshold. Do you see how all of those issues combine? So February 28th would mean four weeks until opening day. 31, because there's only 28 days in February. So it'd be 31 days, four weeks and three days. The minute there is an agreement is not the minute spring training starts. Because once the negotiating parties come to a deal, it then has to be voted on by 1,200 players and 30 owners. Let's say that can happen within two days. In addition, you have to have an off season. We've already granted, I keep saying we, Coca, they have already acknowledged that many of the things that normally happen before spring training will be happening during spring training this season. Free agents will be signed during spring training. 
Trades will be made during spring training, the likes of which you normally would never see. We wouldn't make trades during spring training because you don't know what you have and you've put your team together during the offseason. Arbitration, which is when you are literally sitting across from a player this far away. If you're not watching this, then you don't know what I'm doing. 12 inches this far away telling that player why he deserves to be paid less than he thinks he does. And then you'd have to go right back into spring training and look that player in the face and say, just kidding, let's play ball. Those arbitration hearings will be taking place while spring training games are happening. So to say that the entire offseason will consist of three days before spring training camps open is quite unrealistic, but that's what baseball said was the deadline. So then we got toward February 28th, seven days of back and forth bargaining. And many of you said, why now? Why weren't you doing this in December? And the answer is negotiations like this in any business only happen up against a deadline. I try to draw the comparison when you've got a paper to write when you were in school, when you've got a project to do at your job that you know you have to show your boss in three weeks and you know that it should take about a week to do, are you gonna start it before there's a week left? Realistically, this collective bargain agreement could have been done in these last seven days with around the clock bargaining, which is what they did, and with the specter of a deadline, which there was, on the assumption that your employer, that your professor, and you all agreed on what the deadline was for your project submission. In this case, the players did not feel that was their deadline. They thought that going past the 28th would be fine. Baseball said, if we go past the 28th, we are canceling games. The players said, no problem. We're still going to get paid our full salaries. The owners said, no, you're not. We're only going to pay you for the games that you play. Rob Manford said that again during the press conference today. He said, these games that are missed will not be rescheduled and players will not be paid for the games they've lost. So if you have a player that makes $100,000 a game and he only plays 154 game season, he will have lost $800,000 of his pay. Is that a guarantee? Shh, don't tell anyone. No, it's not. Now the owners and players have to negotiate new items that didn't have to be negotiated before today. That's the mess they're in. They have to negotiate the number of games in the season. They have to negotiate the pay that the players will receive. But the owners don't feel they have to negotiate that because from their standpoint, canceled games, you're not being paid. That's it. We're moving on. But the players could say, well, if that's your position, then everything we had agreed to as part of the proposals leading up to today, we don't agree to anymore. So we're going to start again. You want expanded playoffs? You want the universal DH? Now we don't want it. It's the players who want it. You want the universal DH owners. This is a funny side note. Everybody's saying they wanted the DH and that there was nothing to agree on. That was a give by the owners because DHs on the 15 teams that will now have them in the national league, that will be a higher paid player than the player who normally would be the 26th person on the staff. Just FYI. So by having universal DH, payrolls by definition, money to players will increase because there will be one fewer minimum player per team. You wait to see. But all of that is now open to negotiation again. So where are we? Are we despondent? Well, everybody is saying that opening day has been canceled. 
Please stop with that narrative. Opening day has not been canceled. It has been postponed. No matter what happens in the next two days or three days for all the players who thought February 28th was a fake deadline, I promise you opening day will not be March 31st. Under any scenario, it is simply not going to happen. Rob Manford during his press conference today said something else fascinating. He said, when are negotiations going to start again, you ask? Well, we made a proposal that was robust and complete, meaning it's the players who have to respond to that proposal. And a response is not a vote of no. A response is a counter or a further discussion on the areas that are still being discussed. So the players have to get together now and decide how much pain are they willing to take? Pain in the form of lost paychecks. You see, players don't start getting paid until March 31st. So players are feeling no pain right now because they have no cash flow. The cash flow for players starts on March 31st. So the union has gotten a bunch of money together. They've collected it. They've put it in a bank and they're going to start sending players $15,000 a month starting on April 1st. For players like Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole, who have been the loudest and the most boisterous Boris guys in the room, they're okay. But what about for all the young players, the minimum players who are trying to get to arbitration, who are trying to get to free agency, who've been waiting for that paycheck? This is when $15,000 a month for them, when they could be earning more and they should be earning more because the minimum that is being offered by baseball is over $100,000 per month. So for every month missed, you are missing what most people make in a year. How long will the players be able to keep 600 of their own union members from saying, hey, we've got to make a deal? So the players gave you a little PR today and they said players would be willing to miss a full season. Is that true? The reason why that doesn't work when you are a player versus an owner is that a player's career time horizon is way shorter than an owner's. So there is no big threat to an owner to say we're going to miss a year. But you're then saying, wait a minute, it's going to ruin baseball. All the fans are going to go away. No one will go to games. Do you know what will still be there after a year? All the TV deals, all of the revenue that comes centrally, the big sponsorship revenue, it'll all be there. Is it possible that instead of 10,000 people a game at Marlins games, there'd be 5,000? Yeah. Financially, that doesn't even matter. How about for teams like the Dodgers, where they miss a full season of having 4 million, 4 million fans? Or the Braves, who you saw in their documents, where they are getting $6 million a game. You're saying, wow, they're going to give up that much revenue, $500 million in gate receipts? That's just revenue. All of their expenses will be reduced. So we are right now in the middle of a standoff. We've had this in hockey. We've had it in the NBA. We've had it in the NFL. There have been shortened seasons. There have been missed games. In the NHL, we had a missed season. MLB is not the first and won't be the last sport to have this happen. Will this get solved? Yes. Will it get solved in the next week? No. 
Right now, the players flew home. The owners flew home. The commissioner went back to New York. The head of the players union went back to New York. There will be what we call a cooling off period. And then there will be meetings that will start again. The next deadline that I think you should look for starts in about two weeks, somewhere around March 15th. Because in order to start games on May 1st, just move everything back a month, the deadline would be about March 26th, March 27th. And where the players are and the owners is close enough, no matter the rhetoric that you hear from players or from owners, there is an area where a deal can be made and a deal will be made. So to wrap up, Major League Baseball now has an official work stoppage. The first two series of the 2022 season have been canceled. Opening day for the 2022 season has been postponed. Billionaires, millionaires, gazillionaires, trillionaires, everybody's fighting and the people who get hurt the most, it's us, the fans who want to watch baseball. We miss the crack of the bat. You're going to hear a lot of back and forth, a lot of tweets, a lot of people trying to get you to agree with them from a PR standpoint. That's just because it makes them feel better. All of the leaks that you see are because they want to believe that they're right, both players and owners. But at the end of the day, you're being fed information so that you can feel angry at one side or another. Where should your anger be directed? 50-50. It does take two to tango. And both sides, owners, players alike, are to blame for where we are today in Major League Baseball. We will have much more on this on tomorrow's Nothing Personal. But for now, remember, today, above all other days, it's just business. To the fans out there, it's Nothing Personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.